photovoltaic is a process by which light is converted into electricity at the atomic level. It was discovered back in 1839 by a 19-year-old Frenchman named Edmund Bequerel, who was simply experimenting in his father's laboratory at the time. This entirely accidental discovery was so important that photovoltaic has also been known as the Bequerel effect. Einstein won a Nobel Prize in physics for his further discoveries, and now decades later, photovoltaic is the process by which we collect and store solar energy. It's also the process through which artist and musician Jana Quill makes her own discoveries, taking photovoltaic one stage further and turning that electricity into sound. Jana begins to answer the question, what does light sound like? If we're to reduce the concept to its bare essence, it's also an inquiry into the very nature of the electronic in electronic music. Through Jana's work, we're listening to the sound of electricity itself, not just the machines that it powers. As Jana says, we're beginning to uncase electronic music for what it really is. In this episode of Out From Under, a weekly exploration of experimental and eclectic Australian music, we talk to Jana Quill about her work and her process. If you'll pardon the pun, the light bulb moment began when she spent six months at a traditional art school painting white canvases, and through that, exploring light, reflection, silence, and noise. Today, she works across both installation and live music performance, both as a solo artist and as part of the experimental electronic duo WDK with Laura Hunt from the Sydney punk band Ghastly Spats. Throughout this episode, we'll hear sound works from both Jana and from WTK, and we'll finish off with a live set that Jana recorded for the Liquid Architecture event, Ritual Community Music. This is Jana Quill on Out From Under. My name's Jana Quill. Um, I'm an artist and musician working in Sydney at the moment. I would say my main area of practice is, is a bit confusing for me at the moment because my sound practice and music practice developed out of a primarily visual arts practice. Um, but as I went on and certain questions that I was trying to answer sort of needed the medium of sound and that's sort of why I'm working in those fields now. In terms of what started me I guess in art and creativity in general I can't I can't think of like a defining moment um it was more just living generally I mean I went to university and studied journalism and that was just a bit awful to be honest I hated it um and then so I kind of just got away I went um to Europe and and you know over there it really stood out that the things that were resonating me was spending time with art and I'd always been interested in art to an extent and um, you know I, I went over to techno festivals in Japan and I love techno and going to those gigs has always been a part of how I spend my time as well and so then I just I went to art school because <laughs> it seemed like a good idea. I actually started studying at National Art School which is fairly um traditional I suppose and studio based so I think that surprises a lot of people um, from where I've turned out but um, and I, I majored in painting funnily enough so um, I spent yeah I spent two years sort of going down this this painting direction and 
it never really resounded with me fully, but there were certain people um, like like Jasper Johns and Rauschenberg and people dealing with white and then ideas of, you know, I spent maybe like six months just painting white on white um, and ideas of light coming through the window and being on the white painting and that having enough noise, enough essence to mean something and yeah, so that goes into a whole body of notions of silence and cage and all of that. visual arts practice I, I was working in generally new media though I don't really like that term um, but I, I was making videos and filming sort of abstract bodies of light and light moving across objects and I was really interested in the sort of um, misconception of, of things like light as being immaterial and so I, I'd make these videos and then I would go and do field recordings of anything really. Like I got these really fab ones when I went out to um, Kudamundra and was recording, you know, mile long fences and, and um, noises from the inside of a grain silo. And I'd put that kind of stuff with the light to try and give this, this physicality to this moving light, to give it body and weight and, and a sort of actuality. But that, that kind of felt wrong, it felt fake, it felt forced or something and you know you think about energy and you think about, about light and sound and they are actual things. You know I just wanted to know what light sounded like because I knew there was an inherent energy to it and therefore it has to have some sort of sonic quality once you investigate that and it was it was really as simple as, as a Google search because um, I'd never really worked in electronics before. And I had a great teacher, Ben Denham, um, who was my like experimental drawing teacher and he was really supportive of me just pursuing that as a mode of drawing. And um, you know, Google search, like how, how can one 
amplify light? How can I hear light? And it led me um, toward photo resistors, which to me were too little <laughs> to try and work with. And then it, um, yeah, I just researched and came across obviously photovoltaic processes, which is, is solar panels converting light into energy, a usable electricity. And yeah, I just experimented and soldered to a, a six a six inch lead to the back of a solar panel and, and there you had it. I can totally remember what it first sounded like. It was it was super cool. It was <laughs> it was magic, you know, I was just in this studio at um Naz and it had these great big fluorescent lights on the roof and I'd done my first soldering job which I was very proud of. And um, yeah, I just kind of, I had it, I was using a field recorder as my kind of amplifier. So I had this field recorder with headphones on and this kind of ugly looking panel and was walking around the room and you just sort of heard a, a, heard a low humming, a droning and moving it toward the fluorescent light obviously increases the volume and intensity and it just became this amazing sonic walk, which I now realize is a whole history of things you know you have um christina kubish and people like um joyce hinterding who are exploring that and colin black who's another great sound artist um from here so they all explore um those territories of amplifying invisible energies and it's yeah when you when you find it for yourself and hear it it is a bit magic you feel like you're tapping into <laughs> some alien space or something
once I once you have that source of, of using the panel to amplify the light, be able to tap into that invisible sort of source, then then it became a really. I mean, the first step was me just going like, all right, what's this sound through an effects pedal? <laughs> Chucking it through an effects pedal to make it more noisy, to make more modulation, to be able to play around with this thing that you're tapping into. And um, so that was the beginning of sort of it developing from maybe more of a, a institutional art sound work to perhaps more a performative experimental noise practice. Um, and then it, it also it also becomes really interesting to sort of think about the source that you're using, the light source, and it as an object, as a commercial good, um, and being able to just take that off the shelf and reuse it in this kind of odd way. And that's a really fun process because, you know, I go to Bunnings and find <laughs> find a little... RGB nightlight that just fades really slowly between three colours and it's actually become one of my favourite instruments because it is this amazing synthy drone sound it's incredible like and each different colour of the of the nightlight has a slightly different tonal variation like red I found is a lot more potent than the rest and it it screams, it sounds insane. Yeah. Um, so in terms of um, how I actually amplify the light, it's literally a store-bought solar panel and you can buy any. I've done it with various different ones. Um, and it's honestly as simple as cutting off the ends of a lead and soldering the positive and negative to the appropriate pads on the back of the panel. That's it. And then it can go straight into a mixer. It can go through effects pedals, as I've said, I use. Um, and, and it becomes this great instrument once you start using it with, with whatever kind of sources you want. Um, when I play live... I usually run one panel going through a distortion and delay pedal. Um, I've tried a bunch of other pedals. I want to buy more pedals. Hopefully I get some more money soon. Um, and then I also... some I'll often um, run one straight into the mixer because even just a fluorescent light without any effects, it's actually the most beautiful drone. It has this awesome harmonic quality it's really quite surprising so sometimes it's nice to have just that raw element as well um and I actually play live with a microbrew synthesizer as well which is really fun to kind of have just this um arpeggiating weight underneath sort of more experimental noisy stuff I definitely prefer just to use things in a pretty simple way because I just think everything has so much potential and I prefer to kind of explore that before I go crazy with heaps of other things. Plus, I'm also just still learning. But um, I think that that's one reason why I, I like using the panel and the lights as an instrument because for me it's this idea of kind of 
uncasing electronic music for what it really is, you know, transduction, electricity, modulated electricity. And you have this very like visceral visual representation of that when you're using strobe lights, which are my main thing. Like I, I, I really like using them as my percussive element. Um, I haven't moved to a drum machine yet because I really enjoy kind of battling with these strobe lights to try and make some sense of a rhythm.
at the moment in terms of recordings, the I mean, I have a SoundCloud, but the majority of what's in there is is more a documentation of live performance and perhaps I would call them musings rather than actual productions. Um, you know, there, there's one song on there, Accident Techno, which was produced, but um, quickly and... I think I just recorded it from my mixer straight, you know, and then used Ableton to, like, muck around with a bit of volume and, like, minimal effect. Um, So I don't think production has come into my music very much yet, but it's definitely something that I want to move into, and I guess that will become a whole other set of questions... Um, But for me at the moment, most of it and and most of what I enjoy about the music that I'm making is is using live performances as a way of experimenting. Like most of the playing that I do is just working toward a new performance and and trying new lights, trying new things, trying new pedals. And yeah, most of it's oriented toward a live context. It's an interesting relationship between having an installation practice and then performing live in a more traditional gig format. Um, I spent my kind of honours year at at uni thinking about this and for me I see them as different threads with obviously different contexts and different audiences and that ultimately affects your approach to them and for me gigs are a a space to improvise and work things out and let new things come into the process as you're playing live whereas installations obviously have to have a certain level of um, determined outcomes and you've set it up and, and any any chance and variability is inherently put in there without it you know you set up that possibility for chance um so in that sense I've actually really really enjoyed moving into a more gig oriented domain um it becomes quite exciting and interesting for me and um in fact like uh, in my art practice I I've almost moved away from sound being the most important element in them because I feel like I'm answering a lot of questions and dealing with a lot of things to do with that already in the gig format. Um, so, my, I mean, I have a show coming up and that's become a lot more heavily visual. There's still electronics involved, but the, the sound in it is going to be, you know, like these beach balls dragging on the floor on motors. It's, it's more of a object sound rather than electronic sound and trying to answer these questions about transduction it's more of a statement I think
Stu Buchanan, and you're listening to Out From Under, a weekly exploration through eclectic and experimental Australian music, broadcast by Resonance Extra and podcast by FBI Radio in Sydney. That was Jana Quill talking there about the relationship between her live work and her installative art practice. Listening to her talk about her journey and her process, it's interesting to note how logical the transitions seem. From that white painting to working with light and silence to being driven to investigate those challenges and opportunities shifting from installation to live performance. And the next progression is therefore just as logical, where she shifts into collaborative mode to the skeleton of what we might call a band, to something called WDK. WDK is a collaborative project that I have with my good friend and fellow Sydney artist and musician Laura Hunt. Um, we, she's completely great. She played in. She has a kind of punk background with her band Ghastly Spats, and I remember seeing them, and they're so great because there's there's this huge sort of punk scene in. Sydney and they're all fabulous but Ghastly Spats just always stood out as these kind of noise freaks and like they their sets were just always super visceral intense and kind of difficult you know and I really like things that aren't easily digestible and not too difficult like not sort of drumming your ears down and feeling like an endurance but just just interesting just just thoughtful or something and um yeah I met I met Laura and we she's she's a functioning visual artist as well and we just noticed a lot of patterns between what we were thinking about we were both experimenting with sound in in an art space in an art domain and we just sort of we tried to jam ages ago and it was kind of awful we both walked away from it and we're happy to and then we both sort of went our separate ways and and I started discovering this solar panel photovoltaic process for myself and she started experimenting with contact microphones in water and that became her sort of mode of sound making and it felt really natural to come together with those newly developed practices especially you know like light water very elemental and we um came together and it just really worked and so we've been playing for like a year now less maybe um using those as our main modes of instruments but then again I have a synthesizer and she uses a drum machine rolling drum machine and me and Laura are both very into the visual element to our performances as well because you know I have my strobe lights or whatever I'm using at the time and she has this beautiful glass bucket of water (laughs) that's half filled up that her contact microphone's bobbing around in and it looks pretty fab as well And, and it's that I think that there's something really nice I mean I can't speak for what viewers feel but I think that there's something nice about having that 
visual reference point for these strange sounds you're hearing because you know so as i was talking about before with electricity being being contained in these sort of machine interfaces this pulls it out and provides you with a sort of reference point to these sounds and i think i find that really interesting speaking of of elemental practices and, and fire as another one you know I saw Martin House perform when he came over to Sydney for the energies conference and he's just incredible he has this array of electronics and handmade electronics on the floor he has piles of dirt grounded on a copper plate that is shoving things into he lights things on fire and that's that's kind of the ultimate visual representation of what what you can do with electricity i think in terms of influences or other people working around me i mean in terms of photovoltaic processes just here in sydney there's peter blamey who's incredible and there's ross manning who i think's brisbane based now or maybe was and he's in Melbourne now and he uses a whole bunch of these great LED off-the-shelf toys, kids' toys and things to do these awesome performances. And in terms of energy, you've got um, Joyce Hinterding and David Haynes. You have Martin House, who I've mentioned. You have Christina Kubisch, who, who was working in the 70s and um, did these great sort of walks to listen to electromagnetism around the streets and she does incredible installations with that as well and also just in terms of people doing things on the fringe between kind of accessible almost dance floor electronic music and more experimental performative stuff you have amazing people like Nicholas Collins who also works as an artist in an installation setting but then he performs as Alvin Noto and 
has an incredible record label. You know, there's there's lots of people that are, work in this really interesting fringe between art and sound, and then the fringe between sort of experimental sound and and club music. I don't have some ultimate dream where if I had a million dollars, I I would know what I would want because I'm just still padding my way through. But in terms of um, theatrics to performance, you know, there's there's really amazing things you could do with whole lighting rigs. Um, I think I'd have to mention Joel Stern in reference to that, who's started collaborating with uh, the lighting technicians on his gigs and he uses similar processes and he sort of gives a solo to the lighting technician at one point in his performance and I think that's just so beautiful. Um, For myself I think it's more about learning a new process so I'm really interested in um, figuring out how to actually turn the signal from the panel into a controlled voltage and what I could maybe do with that in terms of using modular synthesize with a control voltage and if I can bridge that gap and start doing some really interesting things. Jana Quill on Out From Under, giving us an introduction to the artists and influences that shape and inspired her and what she hopes to achieve next in her practice. We're going to listen now to a set that Jana recorded for Liquid Architecture an Australian organisation dedicated to artists working with sound. The set was performed as part of the Ritual Community Music event staged at the Tote in Melbourne late last year, which saw Jana playing alongside the likes of Richard Dawson, Brandon LaBelle and New Zealand's Krauss. This is Jana Quill, live for Liquid Architecture, on Out From Under.
That was Jana Quill in a set recorded at the Tote in Melbourne late last year for Liquid Architecture. You can find out more about Jana's work at janaquill.com and you can also find links on our programme website at outfromunderradio.tumblr.com. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks to Jana Quill, to Peter Lansley at Resonance Extra and to Beth Dalgleish at the team at FBI Radio. You can find Out From Under on Facebook and Instagram as Out From Under Radio and we're also on email at outfromunderradio at gmail.com. Always interested to hear from Australian artists working in this field. You can find previous episodes on the Resonance Extra Mix Cloud and on our podcast feed through iTunes. I'm Stuart Buchanan. I'll be back around again next week for another episode of Out From Under. 